0: And now, your hosts for today's show.
1: Welcome to The Living Room. We are excited to have you here with us today. Whatever you're doing, whether you're out taking a walk, whether you're working around the house, whether you're driving carpool or just taking some downtime, we're glad you've joined us. I'm Jody, and I'm joined by Jana, Michelle, Heather, and today, this is going to be one of my absolute favorite topics, and um, it is called grace changes everything. And I don't know about you, but as a Mormon who is Christian and who believes in um, a Savior who redeems me and who the atonement covers everything, I grew up not understanding the power and the amazing grace that is offered through our Savior Jesus Christ. And I think what grace has done for me is it's lessened my anxiety. Grace has transformed the way that I see my weaknesses. Grace has reclaimed my soul when I'm weary and it has refocused my attention on things that matter most so that I can grow and develop as a human being and become the person that God wants me to be. I think grace is amazing. When we think of that beautiful song, amazing grace, I understand it so much better than I ever did. And it's kind of like, I want to stand up on the mountaintop and say, guess what? I had this amazing epiphany and do you get it? And do you understand it? And I think, I think as I've read the different books, um, as, I, as I think I've searched and as, as I'm writing my own book, um, I really do believe that there is more to grace than we give credit on a daily basis. And uh, I lived in the Bible Belt in Texas for about eight years, and I was around a lot of wonderful religious people who would question and say, well, Mormons don't really believe in grace and I would say, well, sure we do. The grace is sufficient. You know, we totally believe in that. And um, and yet they lived redeemed. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. They just lived redeemed. Like, um, there there was a, there wasn't as much fear or something hanging over their head. They were just they were free. And I as I studied this later in my life, and um, as I taught some religion classes, I started to focus on why I didn't live redeemed every day because of grace. What was holding me back? And so today our topic is grace changes everything. And the first question coming out of the gate is, so what do you think of when you think of the word grace? (laughs) And I'm going to lead you along through all of this. So don't feel like you have to know all the answers or whatever, but just what comes to mind? I mean, that grace makes up the difference. Okay. That grace is yeah. the difference maker that whatever
0: I can do, I do. And then there's a gap in between and grace fills the gap. Okay. The word saving comes to mind for me. When you asked okay. that question, the first thing that came to mind was saving. Okay. I like
1: saving grace. Saving. Yeah. Okay. That,
0: or that it's, that it is saving. It's going to
2: save me. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a saving power, okay. I guess. All right. For me, it's a continuing, continual flow of goodness and mercy. Okay. I love all of those and I'm going to say they're all
1: correct and yet there's more to it and it's not so much. And I'm going to pick on Michelle and say, I thought the same thing too, that it fills in the gaps because we've been taught, remember that bicycle story. It's like the little boy has, I don't know, 75 cents to buy the bicycle. And then his dad comes along and he pays the money so that he can have the bike and that that's grace. Okay. Okay. Well, that's not grace. There is no gap. There is no gap. It it, it doesn't feel in this space. It is the space. Mm. So I'm going to tell you a story that comes from the Bible in Ezra. And Ezra and his people, they were, um, uh, the people had been wicked for a long time. And um, they weren't keeping their covenants and God said, you know what, I'm going to pull you out of this wickedness, and I'm going to give you some space for grace. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to not bring pestilences, and I'm not going to give you hard things. I'm going to let you rebuild the temple, and I'm going to give you um, kind of a Uh, An escape is what he called it. I'm going to give you an escape from all the weariness. So now think about that for a minute as we think of it in terms of if grace fills in the gap, that means we're earning heaven. And this comes from Brad Wilcox, who is a teacher at Brigham Young University. He says, we're not earning heaven. We're learning heaven. Mm -hmm. And that's how he differentiates us um, in the Christian world and This changes everything, because all of a sudden, like Heather said, guess what? You're already saved. You do not have to prove yourself to be resurrected. You will be resurrected, period. So you have already chosen Christ. You and all of mankind who is here on this earth will be resurrected. That is part of grace. So where does this end with this? The good old scripture that we're familiar with that says, after all I can do. The one that hangs over our heads that goes, and I never do enough. So let's talk about this for just a second. Um, Because what keeps us from feeling God's love is feeling what grace really is. Grace does make up the difference because grace is God's power. Atonement means to be at one with God. But how can we become at one with God when we're imperfect? It's grace. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Grace is this enabling divine power and how Brad Wilcox described it, which I loved, is it is God's everyday presence. It's power. So my question to you then is, what have you been doing to use this amazing power? when was the last time you used it how did you use it were you even thinking in terms of gosh i i haven't used it what's where are you with grace after that little introduction because i think there's women out there just like us that either we understand it or we don't or we want to understand more and but where are you on your journey of Understanding how to use grace every day, and by the end of the show, hopefully you'll come away going, "Gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tap into that."
0: Um, I think that one thing that I've noticed for me, I definitely like you talk about that, and I'm like, I'm not there, and so I, I'll, I'll get there. But when I think about grace, and I think about the things that I need in my life, and that's always there, one of the things that I try to do is find silence every day. That I can't feel the grace or tap into it or feel the spirit of what God has in store for me if I am busy and or if I have earbuds in my ear all day long or don't turn off this podcast just yet. But then maybe after that, have (laughs)
1: some.
0: But there's so much like in the car. There's something always going on. There's radio or or the kids are talking. But which is fine. I want the kids to talk. But are we filling our our every single day with noise? Were we giving space to have some of those grace conversations that God wants to have with us? Um, and that's the way I can do it every day. I can say without a doubt and and with the surety that I have felt grace in some of my deepest struggles and sorrows and that I have been saved um, in that sense. Um, but in terms of the daily things, I have to make it happen by being silent and quiet and eliminating the distractions and putting my phone down.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, being present and mindfulness and being seeking, seeking of of God's grace. Um, Any other thoughts before I move on?
2: Um, Yeah, I've felt it whenever I try to do something that I think is impossible and it doesn't matter how Mm -hmm. big or how small it is. I've been able to tap into that power and do things that I didn't think I was capable of. Yes, it is
1: the difference between the possible and the impossible. If we think of what God's power is,
2: what is his what is his power? Well, it's the power to create. Uh-huh. It's the power to make everything that he conceives become a reality and with him nothing is impossible, right? right. And and his
1: his redeeming grace makes it possible for us do anything we are full of weaknesses and through his grace our weaknesses become strengths and it is an enabling power if we choose to use it as an enabling power and when I was um, a few years ago in the Idaho Bloomington Canyon we were hiking as a family and um, I may have told this story before in a different context but we were trying to cross a river and it wasn't a really big flowing river, but it was enough that some rocks needed to be put in the riverbed so that we could cross over. So my husband grabbed um, a, a good size rock, kind of put it in one space and then filled in a few other spaces and then said to each of the kids that I think our oldest was maybe in sixth grade at the time. Um, and he said, I'm going to stand here just with my arm out just in case, you know, you need some help. And each of the kids took turns, you know, going across the rocks. And um, our young son, who I think he was probably six or seven at the time, he totally just was like, don't need you, Dad, thanks, but Mm -hmm. look at me go. And just, you know, Um, the littlest one was probably three at the time. She needed some hand-holding, you know. Um, I thought I'd be fine, but I was the one who slipped and reached for his hand because it was just my foot that got wet. But I got to the other side and looked at that riverbed and I had been studying grace. And all of a sudden the thought came, Jody, you just experienced grace. Grace is constant. It is my husband standing there with his hand out saying, why are you trying to do this all by yourself? I'm here. Take my hand, even if you feel like you don't need it, or just at least know and acknowledge that it's here. I picked up a little rock and... Uh, put it in my pocket and I keep it on my counter in my bathroom because that was something that allowed me to picture this is grace this is what I this is what I need in my life I need to be able to when I say my prayers what am I praying for that your grace will be sufficient to get me through what I need to do today it's an actual name for for God's power for his mercy, for his goodness, for his, his gift. And he didn't just give it to the good people. He gave it to all people. Um, The way that Brad Wilcox defines this uh, kind of illustrates, helps us understand, I think, grace in a whole different light. So he talks about a piano teacher you know, moms that pay for piano, right? How many of your kids play piano? All of them. You know that. So I yeah. I would love for all of mine to love the piano, but only one does. But <laughs> so what does the mother do? She pays the piano teacher to teach her children to play the piano. And then what does she do with her children? She requires them to practice. To practice. So who really paid the debt for those piano lessons? The mom paid the bills the mom the mom paid what the child couldn't mm-hmm. but the child can't learn how to play the piano unless they what practice. they practice and so his example is that that's what we do we practice becoming better people mm-hmm. the debt is paid christ redeemed us because he died on the cross and he atoned in Gethsemane. He atoned. He he felt everything. He took upon himself the entire world's sins. And he atoned. And he became one with God. And for us to become one with God, he is saying, hey, would you quit fussing down there? <laughs> would you quit thinking that you're not enough? Because I've already given you the path to bring you back to me. Now, if you want to go further If you want to go on and to decide what kind of body you're going to have after the resurrection and what you're going to be doing, this is where the perfection, the perfecting comes in. But I've already given you grace. I've already given you the way back. Mm -hmm. So where do you know of anybody in your life or have you crossed anybody who's been so hopeless that they've said, I can't do it anymore because it's just too hard. What What do we say to those people if we understand grace in this way, that it is this free gift, that there isn't something attached to it. It's just there. It's a hard question. Just because works is so
0: tied to that, I think, in our minds, right? Mm-hmm. It's so tied to what do I do? And then what am I deserving of when it comes right. to grace? So it's really changing that mindset. Right. It's completely changing and, that mindset.
1: And, and Christ is never saying, ever, ever, in order to earn my grace, you have to do this, this, and this. Grace right. is free. Yeah. It is sufficient. It is done. And, and when we are, whenever we look at it in a different way, it's almost, I, I've become like it's almost like, Oh, just disrespecting him because his gift was so amazing. It's almost like we get it you know? mixed up with judgment. Yeah,
0: exactly. Though we get grace and judgment yes. confused when
1: yes. we
0: combine them into one thing. But we're talking about no. two totally different. You're encouraging us to recognize them as two totally different totally things. Totally different
1: things. Right. So imagine Jesus Christ, okay, holding a clipboard and looking at all the things in your life. And he's got a pen what are you saying as you're across the room, as he's looking at his clipboard? But wait, I can tell, I can explain. But I, I I just, yeah. Yeah. I'm justifying is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, well, guess what? Christ doesn't even have a clipboard. No. All Christ is doing every single day is saying, would you please take upon me the grace that I have given you and go do your best. And then Repent daily, keep your covenants, listen to the Holy Ghost and endure to the end. And guess what, you're gonna be imperfect and you are gonna make mistakes and you're gonna feel bad about those mistakes and guess what, I'm not worried about you like you are thinking I'm worried about you. I love you and I have paved a way for you to get there. I want you to become like me, I want you to be with our Father in heaven again But if you get so weary down that you keep telling yourself you're not enough, you're not enough, you tap out of grace and you don't feel it and you stop trying. You stop doing the work that you were meant to do, which is to wake up every day and say, you know what, because of your grace, God, I can breathe today because of your grace, God, I can raise my children because of your grace, God, I can make I can say prayers I can show up for a church calling that I'm not really excited about simply because your enabling power of grace consumes me so much that I'm going to go and do it. And it isn't after all we can do. It's because of all he did that then we stand there and look at the Savior. And what I'm doing right now is putting my arms outstretched because what does he do? And in that beautiful statue that's down, um, that we see so often, I forget who the artist is, but the, we have a giant statue down on Christus. our salt Lake city temple square, mm-hmm. the Christus and his arms are where out stretched, never, never with a finger that says, shame, shame, shame on you. Mm-mm. We use guilt for what? Well, I think guilt is Satan's tool and grace is God's tool. Oh, perfectly said. And and we can use guilt to say, hey, I need I to need make to a change. Right, yeah. Yes, I need to make a change. So this is the question. We started out saying grace changes what? Everything. 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 Okay, so do you let it change it, everything? Or do you hold back and say, I don't do this. I don't do this. I And do you judge others more harshly? Because you haven't let grace
2: change everything. Let me give an example. We were at a dinner party, and some people were talking about someone that we all knew who had made an unfortunate choice and left a darling wife and little kids and had an affair and just taken off and left the wife and the kids destitute uh, with leans on the house just a big financial mess and a big heartbroken mess and um, and a lot of the conversation was really critical of this guy understandably right right and all of a sudden my daughter raised her hand and said but wait a minute at what point does grace come in and it it kind of stopped the whole conversation and we all kind of thought, and we're like, wait a minute. Grace is there for him as much as it is for me, as much as it is for those darling kids. Yes, the wife is suffering, but it's not our place to criticize him or speak ill of him. It's it's our job to love them all. That's our job.
1: And that is the probably one of the hardest lessons I remember learning and kind of coming face to face with when I realized Wait a minute. I thought grace had boundaries. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Grace has no boundaries. Grace Mm -hmm. is for the sinner and for the sinless, which there are no Mm
2: -mm. sinless. Mm -mm.
1: Um, And so it stretches us, it grows us, um, it challenges us to learn. Um, Something from a book that I'd like to share with you just really quick says When drawing close to God, does Let's see when what drawing close to God does do is qualify us to obtain spiritual help in turning inevitable and universal experiences with suffering, temptation and difficulty into learning and growth. So I want you to think of a child who who is struggling, um, who maybe has stepped outside of the bounds of, of values and commandments That child has every opportunity to take advantage of grace. It's our job as a parent to lead that child to feel that grace, because what feeling that grace does is lead that child to the beautiful blessings of the fullness of the atonement. So what's the difference between the atonement and grace? Well, I would say, are they different? Like,
0: I think that the spirit works for all of us and grace works for all of us and the atonement works for all of us. We have to choose into them. Mm-hmm. Right. So the atonement um, is there, but it does us nothing if we don't choose to use it in our lives, just as grace would would be the same thing. But we have grace because of the atonement, because someone suffered for our sins and suffered for our sicknesses, and our pains, and our infirmities, and, and everything else in between, that's why we have grace, and so um, atonement was the act that made that's grace possible, uh-huh. and yeah. grace is the
1: result. Yeah, um, something by Bruce C. Hafen says, The great mediator asks for our repentance, not because we must repay him, in exchange for his paying our debt to justice. Sometimes we've heard that, haven't we, that we have, we have to pay this debt back, we, we yeah. can't pay the debt back. But this great mediator asks for our repentance, not because we must repay him, but because repentance initiates a developmental process that with the Savior's help, with his grace, leads us along the path to a saintly character. And I'm going to interject the word godly character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We become more godly, more Christ-like through the amazing transformation that grace offers us. And I think it's due for some time for us to just explore that a little bit and how we see it within our ourselves and in our families. I know it's helped me. I know it's changed me because it's helped me go from, woe is me, look at all I have to do, to, wait a minute, I, I'm doing. I'm not focusing on... All the things that I'm not doing, I'm focusing on the things that I'm doing to draw closer to my Savior.
2: Well, if you look at the root word of repent, it means to turn and it means to change.
1: Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. doesn't
2: mean to flog yourself or anything like that. Right. That's what—that's all he's asking us is to turn to him and to change.
1: Is to turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the miracle of the atonement is not just that we get to go back to our heavenly home. And I love that the scriptures say, in my house are many mansions. We're going to feel comfortable in God's presence if we've made ourselves clean before him. And we have this lifetime to do that and beyond. I remember being in a lesson one time and and a wonderful lady said something I'll never forget. She said, um, and this comes from the LDS faith uh, in terms of the millenn- the millennium, but she said um, hell has a back door. It's called the millennium. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of work that goes on in the millennium, more so than we think. You know, there's going to be. In fact, I heard um, some uh, some different perspectives on. You know, there's going to be marriage taking place. There's going to be births. There's going to be working things out. Uh, marriages, families, there's going to be healing. There is going to be a lot that takes place within that thousand years when um, Satan is bound and doesn't have power over us. So, why do we, women, and perhaps we can say if we put all Christian women in one big basket, but, but particularly say, as Mormon women, why do we get so heavy and down on ourselves for what we are not. Instead of saying we are enough just simply because we try. Well,
0: I think anytime I'm too worldly or outward focused, that's when that happens. But I think that goes back to every day, trying to stay connected to heavenly father. And, um, you know, the scripture says fearing man more than God. Um, can fall us into this trap. But sometimes the word fear is like, well, I don't want to, I don't fear my God, but if I can put what God thinks of me first, um, that makes it a lot easier to handle worldly conversations and makes me compare myself to others less. Yeah.
2: Comparing is, I think a big roadblock. Mm
1: -hmm. It is. Yeah. It is in every relationship, right. But especially in our relationship with our Heavenly father. Mm -hmm. Oh, with Christ. Yeah. and how sad because I don't believe in a God that compares us and says, Jody, you're not Moses. You know, heaven no I am so not Moses. I'm slow of speech in some ways and I have <laughs> twisted tongue. But I I have no faith to part, you know, the Red Sea. But that individual relationship with deity becomes so powerful when we begin to just simply begin with we are saved by grace. And on some days, to just feel saved by grace, just simply to know that you will see the Father again, and you will see the Son, some days
2: that may be just enough to get you through. Well, I love the parable that says that everybody at the end of the day gets the same wage. The ones who are on board early Mm -hmm. on, the ones who come in at the last minute, it doesn't matter, everybody gets the same wage. And that's not how humans' minds work, Mm -hmm. but it is how that plan works, and I, I love that. Yeah. Well,
1: and wouldn't we rather be the person that's rooting for the last minute, you know, midnight hour person to make it to the end of the the, the path? I'd rather be that person still clapping and saying, come on, come on, you can do it. You know, ultimately, that's who I want to be. But I have been the person sometimes that have done, you know, all shame, 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 you know. And like we said, grace isn't, well, grace isn't for him. When does grace kick in? Well, grace kicks in from the moment we are born. Yeah. It's given to us, yeah. but it is up to us to actually use it, to actually call upon it, to actually have it be the enabling power, the enabling divine power that it is meant to be. I kind of think that's where we get, get caught up. It's like, yeah, we can accept this, but how do I actually tap into it mm-hmm. so that I'm really using, using it and living it. it all the time. Okay. So in this last few little minutes that we have, um, if anything pops up, you share, but I will share. I use the word grace daily. That's how I wake up. I say, thank you. Thank you, God, for your saving grace. I kind of sound like a Bible belt Christian mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm talking to myself. It's because, it's, and I, and nothing against anyone. I think Every Christian on this planet has something to offer. And I think some of my Christian friends who have asked me, why do you think you don't have grace? You know, they've taught me the most that when I say I am amazed by grace, I wake up and every day I can count on the sun shining because of God's grace. I can, I can go to bed every night saying I can repent of my sins and be forgiven because of God's grace. It is His, it is His goodness. And so tapping into it, I think, means opening up your heart and start saying it. Start looking at it as a power, as when you pray, ask for that power. Ask for God's power, the presence of the Holy Ghost, the feeling of God's grace, that you are saved, that you are redeemed, that you are worth it, that you are worthy even in your imperfectness because you are trying. I'll leave you with this thought. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Matthew chapter six, nine through 13. That my friends to me is grace. Save some space for grace. As you look at your week, as you look at your day, as you look at your hour by hour responsibilities, we're glad you joined us on The Living Room and make some space for grace in your living room.
0: Thanks for coming to The Living Room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room.